0: My 18-year-old son Dawson has been seizure-free for three months now, so we are happy about that. My 18-year-old son Dawson has also remembered to take his anti-seizure medication for three months. Uh, we are happy about that. He takes two doses of this stuff, uh, oxcarb uh, whatever, pazine or whatever. It's also known as trileptol, and uh, 900 milligrams twice a day is what he takes. Now, one of the reasons why my son remembers, it's not the only reason, is that he hears these words multiple times every single day. Did you remember to take your medicine? Hey son, did, did you take your meds this morning? Uh, did you take your medicine tonight? Uh, I have actually gotten out of bed in the middle of the night thinking, I don't know if he took his meds and gone into his room and woken him up and said, did you take your medicine? And sometimes he says yes and other times he hasn't. Uh, my mom happens to be spending uh, Thanksgiving with us, she's, she's in town, and I heard her two nights ago, Dawson, did you take your medicine? <laughs> so everybody's asking this, and, and most of the time, before we get the words out, he'll say, yes, accompanied with the eye roll, you know, the teenage boy eye roll. I, I'm a dad, I repeat myself. It's what dads do. You're a mom, you're a dad, you repeat yourselves, Right? It's what we do, and there is nothing wrong with repetition. Turn to the person next to you, especially if it's your child, and say that. There is nothing wrong with repetition, okay? Repetition is really, really good for us and really, really important. Now, as a matter of fact, famed UCLA basketball coach John Wooden, who won 10 national championships, seven in a row, had this to say. The eight laws of learning are explanation, demonstration, imitation, Repetition, 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 repetition. Zig Ziglar put it this way. Repetition is the mother of learning, the father of action, which makes it the architect of accomplishment. People down through the ages have recognized the importance of repetition, especially when it comes to sports and championships, especially when it comes to, to success in business. But before any of these guys were quoted on the importance of repetition, we see it mentioned about 2,000 years ago in God's holy word on a much more important subject than sports or business. But my spiritual well-being is based on repetition. And your spiritual well-being and health is based on repetition. You may say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Second Peter Second Peter, as we get back into Second Peter. And, and this apostle spoke on this long before Zig Ziglar or John Wooden. On a much more important topic. As he instructs me and you, God's people, on the importance of repetition. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 starting in verse 12. Verse 12, 2 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So not once... Not twice. But three times in this passage. Remember, remember, remember. Say it with me. Remember, remember, remember. Now, we need to be reminded of a few things. And let me go over them with you. We need to be reminded. Why? Continually be reminded. Understand that. So, he wants us continually reminded. Why? Because sometimes we simply forget the importance of certain spiritual truths. Sometimes... I fail to fully appreciate what God has for me. And so do you. And and not only do we sometimes simply forget and sometimes not fully appreciate. But there are also times in your life and my life we purposely ignore. And we block out what we know God's word specifically says. Because we want to do what we want to do. And you know what Peter does here? He practices the ministry of remembrance in my life. And in your life. And that is something that you and I need to practice in each other's lives. There's times that I need to practice this ministry of remembrance in your life. And you need to practice it in my life. And we need to practice it in one another's lives. Because our spiritual health is on the line. And we need to encourage people who maybe have forgotten something. Or maybe they are purposely not following it. Now, I want you to notice here, he practices this ministry of remembrance, but in a gentle way. It's not harsh. And the word remind literally means remind quietly. So if, if in the middle of the night, I think my son may have forgotten his medicine, I don't barge into his room, turn on the lights, jump on his bed and say, did you take your medicine? No, that's not how I do it. I walk into his room, quietly open the door, walk over to his bed, shake his shoulder and say, hey Dawson, Did you remember to take your... (laughs) Yes, or no, I didn't. Okay, well, let's go take it. But I gently remind him. Now, I want you to understand something. Don't be obnoxious with fellow believers in your life. You don't have to jump on the bed, so to speak, and put on the lights and yell at somebody. When we can gently remind somebody, it goes a lot farther. When we can say, you know what, I've missed seeing you at church. Where have you been? When we can say, you know what, how's your marriage doing? I know you've struggled in the past. What's going on there? When we can say, hey, have you been spending time in the word of God? Have you been reading? Maybe we can discuss some verses together. When we practice the ministry of remembrance, let's do it in a gentle, gracious, kind, merciful way in each other's lives. The same way God does with us and gently remind people. So we need to be reminded, continually reminded. Secondly, we need to be reminded even though we know it. I already know these truths, Pastor Scott. You already know these truths. I already know these truths to the Apostle Peter, we could say. Look at verse 12. He, He acknowledges that. He says, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, my son knows he's supposed to take his medicine. We remind him anyway. Peter knows we know these things. He reminds us anyway. He still has that ministry of remembrance in our lives. Now, we know the truth, we've been established in the truth, and the word established literally means to be strengthened in the truth. Peter wants us to stay strengthened. He says, I know you've been strengthened with the truth of the word of God and his promises and his scripture, but I want you to stay strong. See, some of you here in our church, many of you are brand new believers. You've come to faith in Jesus Christ this last year and the last couple years. That, That foundation has been poured and it's still curing. That foundation, that spiritual foundation, it's still solidifying as as you grow and as you learn. But for many in our church, the foundation, spiritually speaking, was poured a long time ago. You you grew up in a Christian home. You grew up going to Christian school. You memorized hundreds of verses for Awana and got your little awards that you're still proud of. Um, You've been in church your whole life. Sunday school, Wednesday night, sure. I mean, it's what you've, you, some of you have been saved 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. You've walked with Jesus Christ. And you know what Peter says? The foundation can still grow weak and crack. And you need to be reminded of God's truth just like anybody else. So even though you know these things, Peter says, I want you to hear them again. There, there's no such thing as too much truth. And those old truths of Scripture are important truths. Ian e. Bounds put it this way the old truths, it is not new truth that the world needs, so much as the consistent iteration of old truths, yet ever new truths of the Bible. We need to be reminded, continually be reminded, even though we know it. We need to be reminded, stirred up once again. Look at verse 13. As I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. It's, it's present imperative here. Present tense. It's meaning keep on refreshing. Keep stirring you up. It's kind of like the lady at the diner. You're going to go out to dinner, some of you, afterward lunch, some of you. And you're going to sit at that little table. And that lady's going to come through, not once, not twice, about five times. Can I refresh your coffee? Can I refresh your coffee? Or you go out to Chick-fil-A. Okay, and don't go today, it's closed. All right, you go out to Chick-fil-A and that nice young lady or nice young man comes by and they ask you this question. Can I refresh your beverage? Can I refresh your beverage? I want you to understand what Peter is doing. Peter is walking by your life. He's walking by your table this morning. And this is what he's saying. Let me refresh you spiritually. Let me refresh you with the word of God again. Let me keep it warm. Let me stir it up. And the word stir up uh, literally means to awaken. It's actually the same word that's used to describe a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And he's saying, I want you to wake up. I know you've heard this before. I know you've been grounded in this before. But you need to wake up to it brand new again. And again, it's likened to this word meaning describing a storm on the Sea of Galilee. You need to get ready, some of you, because you have a storm coming this week. And you need to be regrounded in the truth of God's word. You have something that's going to happen at work. You have something that's going to happen with your kids. You have something that's going to happen with your health or your marriage, your finances. And he's saying, listen, there is a storm on the horizon. You don't even see it yet. I do. And I want to stir you up and get you ready. I grew up in South Jersey. Hurricanes would come through. Man, you batten down the hatches. You get the house ready, okay? He's saying, listen, some of you are going to need to batten down the hatches. You're going to need to be prepared for what's coming in your life. And, and you need this stirred up again and fresh in your life. So continually reminded, even though we already know it, stirred up once again. And then Peter says, you need to be reminded until the day I die. Until the day I die. And look at verse 13 and 14. He says, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling. And then verse 14, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to stop reminding you until the day I die. When I have no breath left in me. I am going to practice this ministry of remembrance in your life. I want to tell you something. I'm going to, Lord willing, practice this ministry of remembrance in your life. I am going to harp at you from this pulpit till the day I die. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to teach the truth. Even though you already know the truth. Because we all need to hear the truth again. And I'm going to do that because I love you. And I'm going to do that because I care for you. And I'm going to do that because I'm held accountable to God to shepherd you. I need to practice my ministry of remembrance in your life, and we need to practice this ministry of remembrance in each other's lives because we are to care for one another as God calls us to. He says, As long as I have breath, I am going to do this. Until that day, I lay aside my earthly dwelling. He's talking about his tent. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about that same thing, that tent, which is our house when it is torn down. And in this house we groan. This body of mine will one day be folded up like a tent and put in the ground. Your body is like a tent. You're only here for so long. And the older we we grow, the more groans and pains we have. Because the tent is coming down. It's only a matter of time. And you may say, well, I'm still young. I've done plenty of funerals for young people. Don't think you're going to be around a long time just because you're young. We all have an expiration date. We just don't know when it is. But, but we do know that this tent will one day be folded. It's coming down. Now, the good news is we get a new resurrected body. Who's in favor of that? Okay? No pain, no groans, no nothing. It's coming, friends. Okay? But Peter knows he's soon going to die. And and so he even says this in verse 14, as the Lord Jesus has made it clear to me. He's probably referring back to what we have in John chapter 1. Where Jesus told him, when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hand. Someone else will gird you, bring you where you don't want to go. Now this, he was said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And we know historically he would go on to Rome and be crucified in Rome upside down. So until the day I die. And then he says, you need to be reminded so you can recall it after I'm gone. So I'm going to remind you up until the day I die. And then once I'm gone, I still want you to recall what I have taught you. And he says, that's why I'm going to be diligent at doing this. Diligence is going to make a difference. So he's saying, I'm not going to to back off of this. Be diligent in your ministry of remembrance with people. Be diligent. Because it'll pay dividends in the end for them and their life. Continue to tell those grandkids about Jesus. Continue to talk to your children about the Lord. Continue to encourage friends in their relationship with God. Who is that straying brother or sister in Christ that you haven't seen in a while? Practice the ministry of remembrance. And share with them Hebrews chapter 10, 24, and 25 about not forsaking the assembling yourselves together as is the habit of some. Who is that downcast soul who's fainting, facing heartache and pain? Encourage them with the strength of God and the love of God and to lay their burdens at his feet. Who is that, that young believer that needs grounding in their faith? Who, who is that? They need to hear from you. They need to hear from me. Practice your ministry of remembrance. So that those truths that you share will live, live on. So remember, remember, remember. And you may say, remember what? I'm so glad you asked. The context of this passage, think about it. 2 Peter 1.12 Therefore, that's based on what I've just taught you. Look at verse 12 again. Remind you of these things. What things? The things he's taught us. He goes on, having been established in the truth. What truth? The truth he's taught us. Verse 15, being diligent at this time, uh, at at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. What things? The thing he's taught us. So he's looking back in the context of everything he's already been teaching us that we studied four, five, six, seven, eight weeks ago. But you already remember all those sermons I preach, don't you? Yeah, right. I don't. So what are we going to do? We're going to look at some of the things and remember some of the things Peter has already taught us in this first chapter. Let's remember. Remember what? Number one, to access God's power. Say that with me. Access God's power. 2 Peter 1-2. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us Everything. What is he granted to us? Say it with me. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Remember, you are fully outfitted for this life. Everything God's power is there for you in this life. He has fully outfitted you. you, are missing nothing in this life. No matter how hard this life gets, his power can see you through it. No matter what you face in this life, his power will see you through it. And I want you to understand this is access to divine power. This is the same power. That created stars and planets. The same power that calmed the sea and the storm. This is the same power that multiplied loaves and fish. This is the power that's yours. This is the same power that raises the dead to new life. This is the same power that conquered hell and the grave. This is never diminishing, never failing, never ending power is yours for this life. Don't tell me you can't do this life. Don't tell me you're going to give up. God says, I've given you everything you need for this life. All the power is there and available for you. And by the way, it's free power. It's granted to us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It is given to us freely when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's fully sufficient power. He he says it's divine power for everything pertaining to life and godliness. This is power for you to do life. You have power to do this life. You can do this life. Don't you dare give up on this life. You can, you can see this through. God's is there for you. You can do this life no matter the pain of betrayal you have felt. You can do this life no matter the financial loss and loss of job and pressures you're under. You can do this life. You can do this life no matter what that doctor said and the diagnosis is. Doesn't matter. You can do this life. You can do this life no matter what. God has promised you the power to do this life. Don't you dare give up on this life. And not only pertaining to life, look what he says next. Pertaining to life and godliness. You know what he now says? You can do the godly life. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand how hard it is in this sin in my life and this habit I have and this addiction I have. He says it right here. You can do this life. You can even do the godly life. All the power is available for me. I have no excuse for sin in my life. You have no excuse for sin in your life. We can do this life and we can do the godly life. Stop convincing yourself, I've got a sin. Stop convincing ourselves, we've got to give in to it. No, we don't. We have the power, divine power by God Almighty. Not a single temptation is too much to handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is what? faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you may be able to what? Endure it. These are God's promises, and this is God's power. His power to stop any and every temptation that's too strong for us. His power to provide an escape from every and any temptation. His power that enables us to endure every and any temptation. Access the power is what he's saying here. You may say, well, how do I do that? That's next week. No, it's not. <laughs> Look what he says in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. Through the true knowledge of him. This is your access to the power of God. This is not a head knowledge. This is a relationship with Jesus Christ a growing knowledge of him personally, who he is as your savior and as your God. That's your access point. So in other words, if you have no time for God, you have no power from God. If you have no prayer to God, you have no power from God. If you have no time in the word of God, you don't give the word of God time to read every day. You have no power from God. You you don't have obedience in your life to God. You've unplugged yourself. You have no power from God. You, You don't utilize the spiritual gifts that God has given you. You have no power from God. You and I need to plug back into the power source is what we've got to do and stop living powerless, defeated lives. There's too many Christians waiting around, not willing to plug into the power source, but they have time for hobbies and they have time for social media. They have time to read all kinds of books and they have time for friends, but not for God. And they have time for God. One hour on a Sunday morning, but not much time the rest of the week. No wonder there are so many powerless Christians in this country. We're not plugged in. So, see, you see, this, you see this on your phone? You freak out, some of you. If you pulled up your phone right now and you saw that, you'd be like, oh, I gotta find a plug, I gotta find a plug. Where do I plug in? You going to recharge it. You know what? That's where your soul is right now, many of you. That's where your soul is. And you're like, oh, whatever. I haven't read my Bible. Whatever. Yeah, I don't pray much. Whatever. Yeah, I don't spend much time with God. Whatever. That's where you are. That's why you have no power. Because you're not in a growing, vibrant, personal relationship with God. When we are in a growing, vibrant, personal relationship with God, we are plugged into the power. Peter says, I want you to remember this. This is important. I know you know it, but I want you to get it. Access the power. Secondly, Peter says, I want you to remember to claim God's promises. Say that with me. Claim God's promises. Look at verse 4 2 Peter 1. For by these he has granted to us, freely given again, his precious and magnificent promises. What you hold in your hand, what you have as the Word of God is incredible. What we gave out to you who are visiting today, we give out those promise books. That's the Word of God put into promise form. You are holding the very promises of Almighty God. He says they're precious and they're magnificent so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You'll see God at work in your life as He answers prayers and you claim His promises. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, they will protect you from this corrupted world. He calls them precious. They're priceless promises that you have in the Bible. They're immeasurable value, of immeasurable value. They're magnificent promises, meaning they're great. The promises of God are great. They are great in scope of what they give us, the promises of God. They are great spanning all time and eternity. I mean, think about the promises of God. They are great individually. They are personal for you. Right where you are right now in life, the promises of God are personal. But they're also corporate for us as a family, as a body of believers. And they're great in their ability to change lives. Would you dig into the word of God? Would you claim his promises? You can't claim what you don't know. So study his word and read his word and know his word and dig into his word. Peter says, well, I want to remind you of these things. I want you to claim God's promises. I want you to access his power. And here's another one that we've studied. I want you to remember to take your spiritual supplements. Remember that? Your vitamins of virtue is what we called them. And Dr. Simon Peter wrote out a prescription for me. And he wrote out a prescription for you. And he listed out the supplements, the vitamins. To to diligently take, not forget, and take every single day and not miss a dose. They're recorded in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Read this passage with me. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence. In your faith, supply, moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Why? Look at the context. 2 Peter 1.4. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Because God rescued you from this world. He rescued you from the sin that you were involved in and ashamed of and guilty of. And he's saying, I pulled you up out of that muck and mire of this sin. Why are you going to go back out there and play in the mud? I saved you from that. Don't go back there. I pulled you out of that life. Don't go back there. I want to save you. I want to keep it off of you and away from you. And he says, it protects us from the lusts of the world. Some of you were playing in the lusts of the world. All, all the sexual lust out there and sexual sin. Fornication, homosexuality, adultery. He said, I saved you from that. Don't go back there. The lust for money. Greed and materialism and covetousness. And, and yeah, that's a great time of year to preach this, isn't it? Man, just oh, got to have more, got to have more, got to have more. The lust for power, pride and arrogance and the lust for laziness, not wanting to do anything, not wanting to get out of bed, just being slothful. The lust of, of gluttony and drunkenness, overeating and indulgence of alcohol. He's saying, I saved you from that. Don't go back to that world and those lusts of the world. Stay away from those. So take these seven vitamins of virtue, if you will. Take these spiritual supplements. What are they? Number one, moral excellence. Say it with me. Moral excellence. Moral as opposed to immoral or carnal or sinful. It's holy. By all means, be holy in your life. This will keep you healthy. And it's moral excellence, righteous, virtuous. And excellence, you know what he's saying? Let's raise the bar higher. Let's raise the spiritual bar higher. And and let's speak words that are morally excellent. And let's live a life that's morally excellent. Let's listen to music that's morally excellent. Let's watch movies that are morally excellent. Let's excel. No more comfortable, carnal Christianity. Oh, it's good enough for me. No, it's not. God says, let's take it up a notch. Let's be morally excellent Christians in a world that has nothing to do with moral excellence. So so that's the first thing he says. Take that pill. Here's another one. Every day, knowledge. Say that with me. Knowledge. He's not talking about head knowledge. He's not talking about facts and figures. He's talking about knowledge of God's holy word. Practical knowledge and personal knowledge. He's talking about knowledge of right and wrong. Exercising spiritual discernment and wisdom. And he's talking especially about knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. Growing in our relationship with him by time in his word and time in prayer. Moral excellence, knowledge. Here's the third pill. Self-control. Say it with me. Self-control. Not giving in to the passions and pleasures of this world. Learning to tell ourselves this word. No. It's a simple little word. Look at that. I made a baby cry. Can you believe (laughs) it? No. <laughs> just, just say that word with me. No. Learning to tell ourselves that and exercising self-control. Look at Galatians 5, through 24. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Say it with me. Self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Our flesh has been crucified when Jesus died for us. Don't go back to those fleshly passions and desires. So, without self control, our passions and desires will run wild and out of control. Without self control, my passions and your passions and our desires will run out of control. Proverbs 25 28, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. I don't want to be that man. I know you don't want to be that person. He's saying, I don't want sin to just overrun your life. Morality being looted by our our carnal impulses and our virtue being ransacked by fleshly desires. He's saying, exercise self-control. That will keep us spiritually healthy in this life. Here's the fourth one, perseverance. Say it with me, perseverance. And you say, well, perseverance how's that different than self-control? Aren't they the same thing? No. Self-control is handling passions and pleasures of life, not giving in to them. Whereas perseverance is handling the pressures and problems and certain people of life and not giving up. So perseverance is patience Perseverance is not giving up. Perseverance is long suffering. You know why? Because things are not going to go as we thought they were going to go in life. It's not going to go as you thought it was going to go. And you had all these plans and you thought this and that relationship and that job and all of a sudden the bottom falls out. You're going to need to persevere. And not only that, things are not going to go as we expected in life and as we planned in life. And we're going to have to persevere and not give up in life. Here's the next one, godliness. You may say, well, what's the difference between moral excellence and godliness? They sound similar. Moral excellence is righteous living, making right virtuous choices. Godliness is reverent living. It is godward and then it is manward. It is reverent toward God and respectful of men. That's what godliness is. Godliness is a reverence toward God in the sense of beholding His power and being filled with worship and awe. Beholding His holiness and being humble before Him. It's a constant awareness of His presence. That's what godliness is. Taking this in, realizing God is here with us, He's here. And then it's not only Godward, it's also manward. It it is a respect for fellow men because they are made in the image of God. And it's honoring other people, even if I totally disagree with them. Even, Even if I think they're wrong, it's still being respectful toward them. Here's another one, brotherly kindness. Take this pill every day. If we're to treat fellow humans with respect, how much more brothers and sisters in Christ? How much more the body of Christ, our church, and relationships that we have with one another. We're, we're, none of us is perfect. And we need to be patient with each other. And care for one another. And forgive one another. And, and Philadelphia is is the word brotherly love. Brotherly kindness. He's saying, he's saying you're family. Don't forget we're family. The family of God. And we need to pursue relationships with one another. Even when... We're at odds with each other. Pursue relationships and and go after that and, and restore relationships and prioritize relationships. Why? Because we are family. And then he gives us one last pill, the most important one. Say it with me. Love. Love. And it's agape love. He says, I want you to sacrifice for one another. I want this love to be demonstrated. I just don't want you to say you love somebody. And it's a love in spite of any and all differences. It's the kind of love that God has for us. Romans 5.8, he demonstrated his love for us. that not that why we were yet sinners? What did he do for us? He, he died for us. It's a demonstrated love. It's a love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13. This is agape love right here. This is the love that he wants within the family of God. Love is patient and it's kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act immature or unbecomingly. It doesn't seek. It's not selfish seeking its own. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs, take an account of wrongs suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And it bears all things, believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Say it with me. Love never fails. This love never gives up. It just does not give up. So don't give up. Continue to love, continue to love, continue to love, and don't give up. And the beautiful thing about him wrapping up all of these seven supplements with love is that it gives life to the rest of them. All the other supplements can be dead and cold. All right, I'll be kind. Okay, I'll persevere. (laughs) Okay, I'll do this. I'll be, all right, I'll be godly. Mm. And then he says, love. Love kindles the fire of our desire and purifies our motives for why we do what we do. And he's saying, I want love to wash all of the other supplements down. I want you to practice love. Now, what does this do for us? Look at verse eight of 2 Peter 1. For if these qualities, these vitamins of virtue, these spiritual supplements are yours and increasing, he's saying, you can't overdose on these. You can't take too much love and show too much love or too much brotherly kindness or persevere too much. He's saying, I want you to increase the dosage. Keep it going. Come on. You can't have too much self-control. All right? too much godliness so if these are yours and increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so in other words as i take these things in my life i become more useful and more fruitful to the kingdom of god and just the opposite is true if i have a spiritual deficiency in any of these seven areas in my life i'm not persevering like i should i'm quitting I'm not being godly. I'm not showing moral. If I have a spiritual deficiency, I become yet less useful to the kingdom of God. I become less fruitful to the kingdom of God. So, so the question is raised, how fruitful are you and how useful are you and how fruitful am I and how useful am I to the kingdom of God? Am I taking these supplements like I should be taking them? Well, let's just just use me as an example real quick. I'm your pastor. And let's say I start lacking moral excellence. I start cheating on my finances. I start cheating on my wife. Let's say I lack knowledge. I'm not studying like I should for messages. I'm not spending time in God's word. Growing in my relationship. Let, let's say I lack self-control. I'm not being diligent. I, you know what? I, I stopped coming to church on Sundays. Where's Pastor Scott? I don't know. You know. I, I, I do what Kermit says some people do. I, I thought this was funny. So y'all can shop Black Friday at 4 a.m. But 10 a.m. church is too early. I guess God doesn't rank as high as a $20 crock pot. <laughs> I just decide to go shopping Sundays mornings. You know? Because the sales are really good let's say I start lacking perseverance because I really get tired of people criticizing my messages and I get really get tired of people's pettiness and they're leaving the church because of this or that and the other thing and I just say forget it. I quit. Let's just say you know what I start lacking godliness. I'm not not reverent or respectful toward God or man. I lack brotherly kindness. I'm unkind or cruel. I start lacking love. I'm not demonstrating it or living it out. What is that going to do to my fruitfulness and my usefulness as a pastor? I won't be a pastor very long. As a matter of fact, I won't be in ministry at all. That's how important these supplements are for my life and for your life. Don't allow yourself to be rendered useless. Don't allow yourself to be rendered unfruitful. Take these seven supplements, these vitamins of virtue, every single day. Commit this passage to memory and live them out. That's what Peter's saying. I want you to remember. Guys, these are important, Peter says. He says, I know you know them, but you need to be stirred up again. So access God's power and claim God's promises and take your spiritual supplements. And then lastly, remember this you'll soon be home in heaven. You're going home, people! You know Jesus Christ, you are not here for very long. Heaven is on the horizon. Understand that. 2 Peter 1.11 For this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. You are going home. One day soon, you're going to step into eternity. Earlier, Peter talked about departing, this exodus, this exiting. Now he's talking about entering, stepping into eternity. He's saying, do you realize once you depart, you're going to enter somebody somewhere else? You are going to be exiting and entering at the same time. You are going to be breathing your last one day and exiting this body. Unless the Lord comes in our lifetime, which I pray he does. You're going to be exiting this body and entering into eternity. And literally, the entrance will be supplied richly for you. Why? Because you've lived for Jesus Christ. Because you've lived out these virtues in your life. Listen. These virtues don't get us into heaven. That's all by God's grace, salvation. But these virtues and living them out in our lives grant us a lavishness and a beautiful welcome home from our God with with rewards. That's what he's talking about. There is a gracious welcome awaiting you who have been useful and fruitful. The question is, are you useful? And are you fruitful? And are you acting on what we've remembered? Act on what we've remembered. And what are they? Say it with me. Remember, access God's power. Remember, claim God's promises. Remember, take your spiritual supplements. And remember, you'll soon be home in heaven.